This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. Um, when I came down to TCU, it was a different culture from Chicago. Texas is vastly different, and that was such a, you know, at times a painful experience sort of learning the differences and just kind of how, uh, you know, how, how, how Chicago is not Texas, right? And, and that was something that made me tougher and helped me learn how to adapt and acclimate to different, different places. That is the voice of Paul Corliss, who is the Chief Communications Officer for the University of North Texas System. Paul will talk about his wide-ranging career path, as well as an interesting hobby that takes him all over DFW and puts him on stage. We are so excited to be joined today by Paul Corliss. Paul is the Chief Communications Officer for the University of North Texas System. And, and Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's great to be on. As as I told you, Rob, when we first connected, to uh, to talk frogs isn't too hard of a thing if you're uh, if you're an alum of our university. And so, uh, before we get into what you do today, I want to get into your your time at TCU. And before that, why did you decide to choose TCU as a student? You know, I was uh, I'm from Chicago, and uh, there were lots of uh, schools from Texas came to my high school to recruit and um, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to get out of the cold and um, visited a few schools in Texas and TCU was just a, a good fit for me. And uh, also uh, didn't hurt that I, that I did get a little bit of academic scholarship money that made the, the, the bill a little bit more palatable for my parents who were kind enough to, to foot my bills. So coming from Chicago, I know you said you, you toured a couple of schools in Texas. Was your time at TCU, was that really your first foray into Texas life? It really was. I uh, I came down to visit some colleges, and I think we took in a uh, rodeo, uh, a Rangers game, and any you know kind of stereotypical, iconic thing you could do um, being from Chicago and coming into Texas. Um, so it really was, and it was a bit of a culture shock. Um, you know, coming from from the suburbs of Chicago when I got down to TCU, but um, acclimated pretty quickly and uh, had a great experience. And what had been your previous knowledge of TCU? Did you have any uh, friends or, or people around Chicago that had gone there? Or what first drew you to, I mean, there's a lot of schools in Texas, so why TCU? Kenneth Davis and Jim Wacker and the the Horn Frogs from the '80s that went to the Blue Bonnet Ball. I'm a I'm, I'm a giant uh, college football junkie and was exposed to TCU through uh, through what was happening on the field, probably like lots of uh, students are today through what Gary Patterson's teams have done. And so when you came to TCU first as a student, it wasn't quite what the what Gary Patterson has built today. So how did that football experience? Oh, in person compared to what you maybe thought you were getting into. Well, well, the biggest bummer was, um, you know, I thought I was going to a place that was in a big time football conference. They were they were in the Southwest Conference at the time, and then two years into my college experience, the Southwest Conference broke up, and we were uh, shipped out west to play uh, teams like San Jose State and Hawaii. And um, you know, it was it was obviously a journey that uh, TCU took took about 20 years to get back up to a big time conference. But that was such a bummer when uh, when the Southwest Conference broke up. But my first couple of years, uh, it was fun. TCU, I think, finished in uh, a tie in the in the Southwest Conference and went to the uh, the Bowl in Shreveport while I was there. And I had some friends on the team, and it, it was a good time. Just uh, TCU is such a small campus, and you really got to know people that were involved in different aspects of life, be it athletics or um, you know, someone like me who ended up being involved in the student newspaper or maybe playing music. Um, 
you know, it's such a fun community where you get to know people that that was part of the experience, um, at least with the football team. And I'm glad you mentioned the student newspaper. That's what I want to uh, transition to next. You said you had a lot of friends that were in sports and things like that, and you were uh, you were in newspapers back when newspapers were popular. So that was uh, the time. I don't think a lot of people quite understand the time it takes to be dedicated to a student newspaper is similar to what you see with some of the athletes and their time dedication. So how did you have to manage your time and, and fit in your classwork with your, your work on the student paper? Well, I, I'll be honest. I was really just, just lucky that I had some people in the journalism department that pushed me into uh, getting involved in the student paper. I was um, a little bit of a, you know, trying to figure things out, I guess, as far as what I wanted to do professionally. And uh, I had some guidance from, uh, from some people in the journalism department that got me involved with the paper and ended up being the sports editor um, my last semester there. And that was just a, a really cool experience. Uh, Billy Tubbs was the basketball coach at that time and um, had been a pretty big name at Oklahoma, had gone to the NCAA championship game. And uh, to sit in his office and get to interview him and um, hear him tell stories was just something that lit a fire in me and uh, it ignited something that, that led me into working in sports professionally, led, to, led me into being a, a newspaper writer, um, doing covering sports pretty quickly after I got out of TCU. After graduating from TCU, Paul got his first job out of college as a sports writer. Well, at the, at the time, you, you mentioned it before, newspapers were uh, were much bigger than they are now. And the other thing that was interesting is the Internet was just kind of getting going. This was in the late 90s. So, um, you know, I barely had a cell phone. I don't think I had a cell phone while at TCU in the late 90s. So it's amazing how much has changed in, you know, 20 years or so. Um, but what I did was I freelanced as much as I could. I had some great uh, samples of my writing from working at the TCU SCIF. I also... Uh, I also took a class um, with with a professor I loved. His name was Dr. Oppenheimer. Um, I think he's passed away now. He was actually sick with, with cancer when I was at TCU, but he would come in and he would read these things that he wrote that were just amazing and funny. And he was a real inspiration. And I took a writing for publication class with him and uh, ended up getting a magazine article published on uh, on my favorite band, The Grateful Dead, um, back in uh, about 1996 or so. So I had some great clippings from TCU from my experience while I was a student that I used in my sort of resume packet. And then I just freelanced as much as I could. Uh, Newspapers needed people to cover high school sports. There were new websites popping up that needed uh, people to write content that were sports related. So I just did as much as I could um, to secure a full-time job in in sports writing. And my my first stop was... uh, at the uh, Grapevine Sun, which no longer exists. And then I, I got the big call up to the Daily Denton Record Chronicle after that. So it was, um, you know, you start you, you start low on the totem pole when you're first coming out. And um, it's a little bit different different time these days in the newspaper world. And then you made the transition that a lot of communications majors make that from journalism to public relations, where you were working with the, the New Orleans Saints and the Phoenix International Raceway. So how did that transition go for you? And what were those experiences like? Well, you know, I, I got kind of lucky, to be honest with you. I mean, I had been working hard in, in, in the newspaper business. I was writing for the Dallas Morning News on a 
a full-time basis doing high school sports. Uh, I was also running uh, a rivals.com website for TCU and I had, you know, as much experience as I could put together. And then uh, a gentleman that I had interned for in minor league baseball, um, he was the commissioner of the Southern league of pro pro baseball. And his name is Arnie Filco. Um, he got hired by the saints to be their top business executive and, uh, helped, helped open the door and get me, uh, get me into interview. And, uh, I got hired to work on their website and do, uh, on the field football PR, um, when I was, uh, gosh, probably about 25 years old. What a great job. Right. So, uh, I was lucky to be honest with you, but, but it was pretty cool to transition into to pro sports and to go from, um, being on high school sidelines covering South Lake Carroll or, somebody like that to be on an NFL sideline watching the Saints take on the Rams who were great at the time or, or whomever. It was a, a pretty, pretty lucky break for me. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's something that I'm very grateful for. And what was it like going from Dallas, which is uh, a very uh, urban type area in Fort Worth to New Orleans, which is its own culture? Well, New Orleans is, is, such a unique place you know you've got a little bit of the south in it but you've also got other cultures just because it's such a a melting pot going back historically when it was a french port a spanish port an english port so um it's it's like no other place in the united states really and um i i really embraced the the culture quickly of um eating a lot of fantastic rich food and listening to great music and um cheering on the saints and it was it was a super fun experience i was there for five years um Went through uh, Hurricane Katrina the last uh, year that I was with the team. That was uh, something that really was a life-altering thing. Uh, left uh, left my home and didn't come back ever again to it. Uh, spent the football season in San Antonio, but uh, learned a ton along the way. Got to, to really hone my abilities in crisis communications through that effort and um, you know, take those experiences with me as I've kind of moved on in my career. But it was a, it was an incredible experience in New Orleans and love to love to go back and visit to this day and have lots of friends that are still with the saints and darn it. If they, they didn't get, they got Super Bowl rings and I never got one. And that experience you talked about in, in 2005, I think all of us that were, um, can remember Katrina, remember how devastating it was for that community as a professional, um, how was it to have to balance that you said that you lose your home, but not only do you lose your home, but your place of business, you have to move to a different city. And, and the Saints were based, as you said, out of San Antonio that year. So how was that trying to ba- balance the personal, like I- I've lost all my things to, hey, I've got to, you know, I got to go to a different city just to, you know, even work. It was, it, it was really an interesting thing i mean the the intensity of the time of year where that happened that was right before the start of the regular season at football um we're entering the most busy time of the year leaving training camp going in to start our first game and um you know your life gets turned upside down and for me um i kind of kept perspective because i had a lot of coworkers that really lost everything they had and and that didn't happen to me there was there was damage to uh to, to my home, but, but not to the degree that others saw. And, um, you know, some people lost their lives and I think you just felt fortunate. You were in a situation where you had a job still, you could go to work and, uh, the saints were really good to us. They helped us find apartments. They gave us some extra money to help us. Uh, there were other resources that they came the way of, of Katrina folks to help us get by. It was, um, you know, it was something that while it was happening, you didn't think about it so much. And in retrospect, it was, 
uh, something that maybe would make you say, wow, but you kind of just kept on moving at the time and, and felt lucky that you had a job and it was a good one and, you know, you had, had your thanks. After surviving the harrowing experience with Hurricane Katrina, Paul moved to Phoenix, Arizona for a job with NASCAR. You know, there, there really wasn't a big interest in, in the career change. Um, a, a recruiter that I knew from the industry reached out to me, and um, I said, I don't know a thing about NASCAR. I've never even watched a NASCAR race. Uh, but they were, they were bringing in executives from other sports to, to bring different mindsets and ideas and, um, you know, in some cases, levels of professionalism. You know, the NFL sort of the standard in the PR world. And uh, I was given the opportunity to come in and, and work with some great people at, at Phoenix International Raceway, which is now called ISM Raceway. And they announced, I think, just last week they're going to have the NASCAR championship. So proud of my friends over there. But it was a cool experience. I learned a lot about um, the sponsorship side of things. As you know, uh, NASCAR stock cars have um, the team logo is a sponsor. So I learned a lot more about revenue generation that would serve me later in my career and um, really enjoyed the experience of being in Phoenix as, as well. You know, at that point in time, uh, really starting with my experience at TCU, I had learned to adapt quickly to a new uh, city and culture. And um, it was much less intimidating because it was so challenging at first when I did that as a youngster at TCU. And so because you were in the desert and maybe was that too hot for you, so you decided to move back to Chicago after that? Is that the to, to work with the NBA? Well, I had mentioned a guy earlier that, that gave me my lucky break with the Saints, and he uh, he was hired as the, the CEO of uh, the NBA's Retired Players Association. And, and while I didn't quite understand what that organization was, I, I had had a great experience working with him and obviously um, – you know, we, we, we thought of a lot of each other, I guess, to stay in touch over the years. So it was an opportunity to, to get involved with him and sort of rebuilding um, a, a subsidiary of the NBA that, that really has a cool mission. It's a, it's a 501c3 nonprofit that uh, helps former players that uh, may have a hard time transitioning to, into life after basketball. And you, you think to yourself, wait a minute, these guys make millions and millions of dollars. Well, two things. First of all, before uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson came along, guys, guys in the NBA didn't really make too much money. And uh, a lot of times even had to have jobs in the offseason. So there's a huge slew of retired players that are perhaps in poor health, that were per- perhaps undereducated, um, that are having a hard time that, that we would work with. And there's also some well-documented stories of guys who, who blew their money because they came into the NBA and made millions without having the, the education or the financial understanding to really learn how to manage their money and not get ripped off. So it was a really cool, rewarding experience. There was the fun side of taking care of guys that were down on their luck and also uh, an amazing thrill to meet guys like, you know, I mentioned Magic Johnson earlier, Akeem Olajuwon, uh, Robert Ory, guys like that, that that I grew up watching and cheering for, to get to know them as as people and to know um, you know to know they were really good people and helped other players that might be down on their luck. It was a fun and, and cool experience. And so we've taken we've gone from writing from the newspaper to the NFL to NASCAR to the NBA, and then you decide that you want to go into the academic life. So how did you end up where you currently are at the University of North Texas? Well, you know, you and I talked offline a little bit about your career, and, and you worked in sports, and you know the hours that it takes, and you know that when you're, you know, when you're working your way up, you just have to do anything that you got to do, right? And, and there's travel associated with being involved in sports. I was on the road 
um, at least a half a month. And I was missing things in my daughter's life and, and missing time with my family and my wife. And uh, we got to a point where we said, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. You've, you've accomplished a lot. And, and I had, and I felt like that I didn't have anything left to prove per se in sports and um, a really unique opportunity presented itself. I always thought of UNT University of North Texas as, you know, the school up in Denton that, that wears green and has a great music program, but UNT's really um, blossomed and especially in the years that I was gone for about 15 years from the area. Um, there's a, a, a new university that's, uh, you know, it's affiliated, but it's its own standalone university in Southern Dallas. There's a, a law school. There's a new medical school that's uh, actually being opened with TCU in uh, in Fort Worth with our UNT Health Science Center. So um, I was astounded at the growth of UNT that it wasn't just Denton and had an opportunity to work for the chancellor, who is the, the CEO of the system in a new role. And, and that gentleman was a guy named Lee Jackson. He's uh, since retired, but he was a, an elected official for 20-some years. He was the Dallas, City, uh, Dallas County judge, um, had served in the House of Representatives in Texas. And to learn from somebody with, with that background was, was an amazing opportunity. And the, the, the bonus was uh, that I didn't have to travel anymore. And uh, what a what a cool experience it has been. I work for a, a new chancellor now who's even uh, even more dynamic as far as a background. She worked for NASA and was the, the number number two person at NASA, basically the chief operating officer of, of you know one of the most storied organizations in the world. So uh, I've been really lucky there as well. It's kind of a theme throughout my career. I've had to, I've had some good breaks and, and enjoying it thoroughly. And I see you've also taught classes. How how did you? begin teaching classes and what has that experience been like well and you might experience this as well once you you leave the sports industry sometimes you you have an itch where you where you want to at least at least be able to scratch a little bit of that sports itch and i taught uh sports writing courses at unt dallas and i'd like to get back to doing that i didn't last semester just because of schedule but uh it was a way for me to to kind of pass along knowledge that i gained over the years and and you know, kind of allowed me to, to reflect on some things as well as just kind of feel like I was still in the game just a little bit. And not only have you uh, stayed in the game a little bit, but you and your wife own a Grizzly Sports and Entertainment Marketing uh, Company. So how did you guys decide to come up with that? And what does that what does that entail? Well, I'll tell you kind of how it started was when I left uh, when I left the NBA, um, some opportunities came my way that uh, were player related. And I knew I could help the player put deals together. And the, the big one was uh, a Gatorade commercial that was a, a national commercial that was on a couple years ago that featured Dwayne Wade and George Gervin. And I had a good relationship with Gatorade, and I was just getting going talking to some, some former NBA players about maybe helping them make some money in marketing. And uh, they wanted to do uh, a commercial with George Gervin, the Iceman, um, from back in the 1980s where Dwayne Wade kind of found himself in a dream in a little ice world and then ice was on a, a throne throwing a basketballs of ice it was a really fascinating commercial for Gatorade Frost it sounds weird but if you saw it it was it was the coolest thing in the world and through that deal we kind of catapulted our company I knew George really well I had a good relationship with him I understand um, you know what a player's value is their time and uh, understood how to put put a deal together so that was sort of what got us going and uh, you know we've we've worked with with hundreds of athletes across all different sports is in sort of what I call our little, little side hustle to, uh, you know, kind of just take care of some friends in the sports industry. And, uh, it, it's a neat way to, to not 
have it as your day-to-day life where you're traveling around all over the place, but you still um, can be involved in that industry and take advantage of knowledge and, and connections that you gain through, you know, 20 years of working there. When he's not working as a chief communications officer at UNT, teaching classes, or operating the sports business with his wife, Paul is a member of a tribute band for the Grateful Dead. Well, let, let me let me start by a trivia question for you. What what happened on the campus of TCU on November fourteenth, nineteen seventy one? Any any guess? I'm gonna guess because I did some research about you. I'm gonna <laughs> guess the Grateful Dead played here. The Grateful Dead played at Daniel Meyer Coliseum. That's right. That's, that's, <laughs> here's here's me taking taking advantage of my uh, opportunity at the skiff. I went into the old archives, found a microfiche of the skiff when uh, the Grateful Dead played there with Jerry Garcia and Bob Weir from the Dead on the cover of the TC Daily Skiff. It blew it up into a poster on that that hung in my uh, in my college residences throughout my time at TCU. So that's one of my favorite uh, favorite days to bring up, even though it happened before I was born. But um, so so the band and, and thanks for asking. It's it's really my fun hobby. Um, I'm a huge uh, deadhead, as they call us, uh, fan of the Grateful Dead, and uh, started uh, with a friend of mine, a, a Grateful Dead tribute band a couple of years ago, and we uh, we play all over Dallas-Fort Worth. We played at House of Blues, We've uh, and if you're in Fort Worth, we've played at Fred's a few times over off uh, West 7th Street. Um, it's just a fun experience, man. I enjoy the heck out of it. Approximately maybe how many dates a month do you, do you and your band play? Well, you know, kind of. It, it depends month to month. We played uh, in February, I think, about six times, which is which is pretty high for us. Usually, we try to keep it to two or three times a month. A lot of the the guys in the band have uh, wives and kids, and uh, we get ourselves in trouble if we spread ourselves a, a little too thin. We also have full time uh, nine to five jobs, all of us, so we're not uh, we're not going to hit the road anytime soon. But we have fun with it, and uh, the more we do it, the better we get, which is which is pretty cool. And are you mostly playing Grateful Dead songs, or do you have any originals? We, uh, you know, there's some band members that do have originals. I do not, and uh, really, we focus on the Grateful Dead or artists that are sort of like-minded. A Bob Dylan. Uh, I'll work in some widespread Panic tunes from time to time, which is one of my favorite favorite bands in sidebar i did get to interview widespread panic for the daily skiff while i was there so there was me taking advantage of another cool opportunity at tcu but all right and now let's bring it back to tcu where, where this started being back in dfw and and i don't know even when you have time to sleep with all your different activities you have go on <laughs> but do you ever have time to get back to to the campus around here Lots during football season for sure. We uh, we have season tickets for football and have for a number of years. So we we make it back as often as we can. Usually, uh, my daughter's volleyball schedule is what helps us determine which games we're going to go to or which ones we won't. Um, my dad and I also uh, were just down in, in Houston watching the Frog baseball team play in a tournament down there with A and M and Rice and U of H. So we're we're big TCU sports fans primarily, but. Um, love to get by campus. I love to walk around campus. My daughter's a, a freshman in high school, and um, you know TCU's on her list of, of of universities to look at, which is exciting for for me. And um, yeah, I love coming back. Boy, it's a lot prettier at TCU than it was when I was there. The the uh, I, I think all the money that Coach Patterson brings in from the football program has made our campus um, 
just one of the most beautiful in the country, which it was pretty while I was there, but it wasn't to, to where it is today, where it's just simply a postcard. And that's my, that's my favorite thing to talk to people about as what has been your biggest impression um, from the time you graduated to now being able to come back on a more regular basis, maybe the biggest changes that, that really impact you. Well, it's it's truly a national story. What what happened at TCU, and you know, you say academic side of the house may once in a while scoff at athletics, but there's no denying that the exposure that that Coach Patterson and the football program brought to our university is really really helped elevate things. I don't think there's any doubt. I know the the economy had had been good with uh, with uh, Barnett Shale and the the energy industry, and you know people were kind enough to give back to TCU and help build some beautiful facilities, but man, it's, it's, it's like no campus in the country and, and to see how it's transformed, but yet remain the TCU that we remember, right? Sort of the icon, iconic buildings that were there when I was there remain, but what's come up around it and it's just, just so beautiful. And I'm, I'm really proud to have gone there and uh, being a proud of proud of TCU overall. And I'll, and I'll leave you with this of the best memories you have on campus here? Well, I'll tell you one of the coolest things that I, that I did. Um, and I actually listened to, to one of your podcasts, um, before he passed away was, was Dan Jenkins wrote, uh, a history of TCU football book, put that together while I was at TCU and at the old bookstore, he did a book signing with, um, a bunch of other le- legends, Bob Lilly, Kenneth Davis, um, Jim Swink, a whole, a whole host of guys. And to be able to meet Dan Jenkins, who, um, you know, one of the greatest sports writers in the history of sports writing. When you want to become a sports writer, was uh, was was really cool. Um, that was that was one of the neatest things. I've you know, shoot, I've read all of Dan's books and followed him on on Twitter during the the major tournaments, and he'll he'll be missed. But what a what an incredible experience to to get to meet him. So that's one that jumps out at me. I think uh, you know, otherwise there were some, some pretty cool sports events that happened on campus. The TCU basketball team was really good. Towards the end of my time there, and, and Utah came in ranked in the top five or so in the country. Keith Van Horn was their stud, and um, I was on press row right up front because of my job with the skiff and watched uh, TCU upset the number five or so team in the country at Daniel Meyer Coliseum. That was that was also pretty cool, too, because I was actually on the inside and got to go talk to the players and the coaches in the locker room afterward, and it really helped um, – you know, give me the confidence to do some of the things I did later in my life in sports because I got to experience that at TCU. So those are those are a couple fun ones. What do you take away from your your time at TCU that maybe has led to the last twenty years of all the success you've had in your in your personal and professional life? Well, I, I think what what TCU did for me in a number of ways was pushed me outside of my comfort zone, and I, I think I needed that. Um, you know, I had a, a family that that took good care of me, and while we had to work as kids. We didn't necessarily have to work for our survival. And um, when I came down to TCU, it was a different culture from Chicago. Texas was vastly different. And that was such a, you know, at times a painful experience, sort of learning the differences and just kind of how, uh, you know, how, how, how Chicago is not Texas. Right. And, and that was something that made me tougher and helped me learn how to adapt and acclimate to different, different places and then uh, the writing experiences I had at TCU were so great. And that was also, you know, professors that I had pushing me into spaces that were, were not my comfort zone and um, seeing something in me that, that, that had them push me into, to, you know, 
doing the student newspaper or whatever it was that that ignited things in me. So I'm I'm forever grateful for that. I don't know if I answered the question. I might have gone in a whole different direction. <laughs> no, that that was perfect. And before we let you go, let us know where we can go to see some of your upcoming dates or if there's a way we can go to follow the band so we can see you sport that TCU flag and per, TCU shirt in person. Absolutely. Now, the, the band is called Bandolero. That's uh, named after an old Western movie. Don't ask me why. B-A-N-D-O-L-E-R-O. And our website is bandoleromusic.com. And we're on Facebook and Instagram at Bandolero Music. So easy to find us. We play a couple times a month. We uh, don't have a current date in Fort Worth, but we'll get out there soon in Dallas. It's only a hop, skip, and a jump away. So if you're in the DFW area and you like the Grateful Dead, I promise you, you'll have a good time with us. And I'll wear my purple shirt. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing you. We thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it was so, so nice to, to talk to you. I appreciate it. And go Frogs. Thank you to KTCU and co-manager Jeff Craig for their editing of this episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to share your story of your life since graduation, please contact us on social media or leave us a comment on our SoundCloud channel. We look forward to sharing the next story of how horn frogs are changing the world.